All right, so when it comes to being a student, I've always been pretty shitty, to be honest. In grade school, I learned I had a disability called dysnomia, which means I have difficulty or the inability to retrieve correct words from memory when needed. And I also have this other thing called dyslexia, where I read or interpret words, letters, or other symbols differently, but it doesn't affect my general overall intelligence. Uh, so pretty much, as Dave likes to say, I- I'm that fish dory. <laughs> Uh, these were massive roadblocks to my education coming up and really made learning challenging. Low test scores, I was put in disability classrooms to experiment with the way I learned, I was made fun of, et cetera, et cetera, you know, all that type of shit that comes with sucking at school. It just wasn't tight. In high school, I didn't give a shit about anything but making music or videos, which clearly became a peak interest of mine, but it just sucks because they didn't offer any classes about hardcore music or how to film snowboarding videos. I was kind of at a loss. And in college, I continued to suck at getting good grades, but I noticed that I really leaned into my love for music and film. I started going out of my way to learn about script writing or photography, filmmaking, et cetera. I didn't know it at the time, but I was becoming a student of hobbies I was obsessed with, and this would later go on to become my career. Even today, I still consider myself a student, and I don't think I'll ever graduate because there is always so much to learn, which is why it is so important that you always continue to educate yourself and keep your mind open to being a student of the game. All right. Let's get into this episode. And welcome back to another Morning Roast edition of the Black With Milk Cream podcast, where we deep dive into creative topics with the goal of giving you a daily dose of motivation and inspiration. You are now listening to the number one podcast for content creators on earth, discussing the ins and outs of freelancing, filmmaking, photography, business, and more. And now your hosts, coming to you live from the Black with No Cream headquarters in Los Angeles, off their fourth cup of coffee, Ben Haggerty and David Malave. Yo, yo, current events, guess what? I got a Tesla. <laughs> yo, on the way to the office, on the way to the office this morning, Ben texts me, he's like, and I, I, I told him I was going to be here at one, and I usually drive over here, and he's like, do you want, you want me to give you a ride? Hashtag Tesla life. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, boy, come through. He, pull, he pulls up, we had the whole tour. Got to see the iPad, ran around the block. He showed me all the software. That's just dope, bro. I'm proud of you. I still have yet to show you ludicrous mode, which is the fucking illest shit. Uh, it goes fast. So tell them what you did last week. Oh, yeah. So I flew home. I flew home to Iowa. No, I flew to Minneapolis, bought the car from my homie Craig, who is historical on this podcast because Craig's house is like the house that fucking birthed me in LA. Uh, so shout out to Craig for selling me his Tesla. And then I drove down from Minneapolis to Iowa, kicked it with my family for a couple of days, Fucking rocked it there for the elections. And then uh, decided to drive out with my dad to LA from Iowa. So it's about 1,800 miles. Um, so we broke it up into three days and like, you know, kind of cruised through the mountains and shit. It was really cool. But it was, it was fucking dope. I've been wanting to get this car since forever. Long story short, I got it. Yeah, it's a personal, a personal achievement. You yeah, know? It, feels, it, feels, it feels good to hit the bucket list. But other than that, it was cool. How was your week? What'd you do? It was good, man. I think I, I took a, a you know, personal week mostly um, besides you know, doing some work here and there. I think uh, I spent the last month and a half, and I've said it a couple times on this morning, Rose, because it's been that many weeks of just like grinding my ass off. Right. Um, so many like late night edit sessions, so many like you know, 15-hour shoot days that when I finally caught a second, I just finally got to get back to like working out, sleeping, you know what I'm saying? Finding the balance, right? like spending time with friends and stuff. And I think me personally, I'm a type of person where, you know, you can work your ass off to the bone, you know what I'm saying? And, and everyone wants to embrace the grind and all this stuff. And I'm definitely for that. And I go hard, super, super hard when I'm working, but I also try to get myself back to center at times. Mm-hmm. And I think 
turning down some jobs and, and just kind of like getting my normal sleeping schedule back and eating and like getting back active, I think is so good for me personally. So I think, I don't know, I rec- definitely recommend it for anyone else. Like if you've been working so, so hard, there's a point I think where me personally, like I lose, like I'm sitting down to edit and I don't have the same juice because it's like my fifth video I've done right. in the same month. And I'm just like, up you know well that's why we recorded that episode called it's okay to hit pause literally like it's definitely fucking fine to do that shit and no one's gonna be mad at you for there's always gonna be work you know what i mean yeah exactly but if you're fucking stressed out or burnt out like you gotta switch it up and on top of it you got you know daylight savings you got the election which was obviously uh you know a chaotic week and then you know i'm saying seasons changing all this different stuff so it was definitely a good week to take a break and hold on and what you guys round of applause for dave because you want to know what happened to dave Motherfucker got himself a wetsuit. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Wetsuits are nice. Um, yeah. What, how do we? How do we want to kick this guy off? Yeah. So the topic today is being a student in the game, and I think this topic came to my mind because I was just thinking about this mentality. And if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm all about like mentalities and mantras. And I think student in the game is such a great one because I think one of the biggest contributors to my success, and I say this all the time, is I've been able to position myself next to learn to learn from people much more experienced than me. And I've been able to like soak up so much knowledge from people, you know what I'm saying? Like you, like Andrew Sandler, J.R. Strickland, Kavika, even Shannon, like all, the, all our homies, um, and indirectly too, through podcasts or YouTube videos, through all this stuff. And I think that mindset is so, so key. And I think in your story, it shows up a lot too. It shows up in my story. And I think it, it applies whether you're just starting out or if you're a vet, I think there's always room to be a student in the game. And I think it applies not only just in terms of like learning about your craft, but and observing people that are more successful than you and trying to figure out paths business-wise and even just like keeping your finger on the pulse of content, understanding like what is being successful in the, in, in the industry you're trying to be in. All those things come to play. And I think a good place I want to start is uh, with you. You always talk about that time in your life. And if you don't know, if you're listening, you know, Ben had a hustle time in his life when he's in LA, trying, I mean, excuse me, in Iowa, trying to be a musician. And you had all that time to really dive into so many YouTube videos and learn so, so much, and then ended up being very impactful in the way you were able to create in the future. So I think you should tell that story. Like when I went on tour with Schoolboy Q, making a series of videos on that tour that, I, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm very proud of them. I think that they were fucking highly impactful to the, the internet culture or whatever and rap and shit for Q. It was one of the best things that TDE had ever put out at the time. And all that stemmed from having spent years of me trying to understand what that world is, right? Like, so if Dave talks about me trying to make music, we're trying to make rap shit in Iowa, small group, whatever, college rap type shit. And everything was about trying to mimic the people who are above us. Like, we'd sit there and watch every Big Sean video. We'd watch every Mac Miller video. I've talked about this before. But having studied and trying, I literally would absorb all these different types of videos and ways people would put videos out that explored the idea of creating like a behind the scenes glimpse of what this person's life is like. And so as a fan, I'm paying attention to what turns me on to the videos. As a creator, I'm paying attention to what the creators are doing that are making the videos. I'm trying to see like what the editing style is like. I'm seeing how they're grooving through stories. How do they get us through what a cool show ended up looking like or a pivot, you know, what's a raw moment look like? Or I started paying attention to all that shit and I would just constantly, and this is just one example of something I pay attention to, but I absorbed the fuck out of it. Like I just constantly, constant, just absorbed, watch a million videos. I would try to make videos like it for our shit. I would try to mimic it so much that I think that just having been a sponge helped set me up to when I got that opportunity, right? It was one of the first times I got to go on tour with an artist. It was one of the first times I got to go on tour and create video content for an artist that was of that substance. But I had never done it before. So 
I, you know, I could have gone into it and I had not really prepared that much. I could have learned just how to use my camera really well. And someone just recommended me and I got the opportunity to go out and shoot. And, but, and that's basically what happened. There was no like proof that I was going to be able to do what I did on that tour. But I went in fully confident that I was like, oh, as soon as I get that opportunity, I'm going to fuck this shit up because I see what everyone else is doing. I'm going to take what all they've done, everything that they've done, I'm going to put it into one pot and I'm going to boil it at max. And right. I'm going to fucking try to turn out something new that no one's seen before. And that, that, that was kind of the result of it is that I had prepared as much as I could without actually having the opportunity to really go and work with someone else. Um, and then when, I, when I, the opportunity landed on my lap, I was able to murder it. And it was the, the best feeling. And the thing I've always told is that story about Macklemore meeting him and I had watched all at the time he fucking did it on the highest level. Uh, and we've had some of his creators on the show before and to hear like the way they put in the energy to making that content, shooting on reds for tour content, which was unheard of. When you watch a Wiz, Wiz Khalifa day to day video, they were the fucking illest shits on DSLRs. And then when someone comes in and does the exact same thing with a red, you're like, how the fuck can you even manage that much media or have, you know, have the budget to be able to have a red? Like it didn't make sense. And Macmore was doing it at a high level and his concert footage would look bananas, all this shit. So when I met him at our, our Seattle show and he, he like gave me my props. Like he was like, yo, you're making all the tour videos for Q and doing the photos. Like this shit's unbelievable. Like I have a high standard for that type of thing. And you're, you're fucking well above it, whatever. He said some line like that. Yeah. And for me to hear that shit after, like, I'm like, bro, I fucking sat in my parents' basement studying the shit out of your videos, watching the series over and over and over and over again, showing my homies exactly what you did and what you would do and how we would mimic it and how we could do that and add that to our sauce. And to be able to take that and, like I said, throw it in a pot mixed with everyone else's shit and then to get a compliment from someone who obviously, like, admires the content. And, right, and this and is the source of it. your inspiration. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Like, that's really crazy. So for me... I love this topic because that didn't shut off then. I didn't shut that shit off. I didn't stop learning. I said in the intro, like you're constantly going to continue to learn and we all have the opportunity and I love that you, certain people get this shit. And that's what I think is interesting about people who thrive and people who don't is that there's people out there that want to walk into an environment and just think that the world is going to be handed to them. And there's people that are going to take every opportunity and seize that shit. You know what I mean? So for you to come in and state your eyes are fucking mad wide right? You're always listening. You're always pulling out gems. You're always taking notes. You're always trying to find ways to, to act on opportunity, but also to take advantage of the opportunity in a sense of like, you don't necessarily need to learn what it's like to fucking be a PA, but it is good to know what that is. Or, you know, I mean, any right. example, but you will jump on that. And that, that I see me and you, right? Yeah. And I think that people that put themselves in those shoes and be willing to, to uh, jump on those opportunities and learn are going to be the winners. Yeah, dude, I think, I think for me, like, I always, I, I'll think about the Beyonce tour a lot because think about it, like that opportunity is obviously once in a lifetime and doesn't just fall on your lap. And, you know, us being, you know, a combination and, and mixture of meeting Ben at the right time, impressing him, the work that I put in before that, uh, the trust that I gained with him for him to be able to give me that opportunity. And then coming in with, you know, no experience in that lane at all and being thrown into like one of the biggest productions you could ever be in right. as, as you're like your first massive, massive opportunity. I think that was the ultimate example of me at least understanding how important it was to be a sponge. And like just literally every direction you look, you can take a lesson or a learning point from right. and just not shying away from that and just constantly, constantly be observing. And I think I've kept that type of mindset throughout every single job that I do. I think a, a big thing that I do here in LA, I do a lot of uh, behind the scenes types of videos. I do a lot of like artist centric content based around music videos. And I get to go on set with 
you know, amazing, amazing directors. I've, I've worked with, uh, on Dave Meyer's set multiple times. I've worked on, you know, different awesome director set. I've worked with a guy named Andy Hines. He's amazing. And I think I'm able to go into those sets. And if you're shooting BTS, if you're a, a PA, if you are doing anything on, a, on any type of production where you're able to like observe other people who are more experienced and, and are obviously in a, a better position than you, there's so many lessons to be learned on everything that you're doing. And I think that's been one of the things I've definitely taken ownership of is every position I go in, it's like, I'm going to come out with the most lessons and the most realizations that I can come out with. You know, for example, like if I'm on set and I'm just shooting BTS, like I can just be like, I'm the BTS guy. I'm just gonna make dope content, whatever. But I'm also sitting there like, let me, I'm literally going to sit here while I'm shooting. I'm gonna sit here and watch how is this set designer directing? Like what are the moving parts that's making this set come together? And how can, how is the set, uh, the production designer orchestrating this whole thing? Or how is the director communicating to the talent exactly what his vision is? Or how is he getting them to perform a little better without, you know, offending them or anything? Or beyond, or beyond that, just connecting like, oh shit, I see that the stylist is lugging in a bunch of shit and I don't necessarily need to film anything right now. Maybe I'll go help them out, carry their boxes into the room or whatever. And by doing that, you never know how that's going to turn into a relationship that could really help you. We've talked about that a million times in the past, like not only studying and learning, but going above and beyond to help in these different lanes that maybe you're not necessarily trying to be a part of or don't even need to do. Like that's not your job, but going above and beyond to offer a hand sticks you out in people's minds because you never know when that person is going to be on set and they're going to be like, we need another BTS person. You know who I liked a lot was that person that fucking helped me carry some shit in. And that, that goes a long way. Right. Or even sending that olive branch out. And then that's you, you see that like there's opportunities for you to learn from people. And I don't, it's not, it's funny because well, you know, we're going to answer people's questions later, but it's not like the culture of everyone saying, I want to pick your brain, I think is the wrong shit most of the time in terms of like, you're not trying to be a student of the game by asking someone to give them their energy to teach you something, to teach mm -hmm. you something. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can learn from other people by observing and being like, and understanding how to like take a lesson from it. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, there are so many things that I've learned from you that I've literally never asked you a question. No, you it's don't just need like, to. Like, or the, I've learned from people that I've never even spoken to, like it, directly. I've just, you can learn and you can even learn from social media. Like in terms of me, like I consider myself a student in the game in terms of keeping my finger on the pulse of content. And I'm just always paying attention. Like, okay, how is this artist rolling out his music video? Man, it's really dope that Travis Scott, when he is dropping a song, he's pairing that with the merch release and, and paired with the merch release is a digital, uh, single purchase. Right. So every time you purchase merch, you're buying a, a song, which means you're helping his streams and you're helping his, like, that's genius. Yeah. Oh, look how this person uh, did a four day rollout where they're able to pair their stories to promote their Instagram video that went to their YouTube or whatever. And all those things are able, you're able to like take pieces from all that. Every single thing is something you can learn well, you and know, apply to yourself. And then next time you're in a conversation with maybe an artist who's smaller, right? And they're looking at you as, oh, yo, this is Dave. Dave does behind the scenes and you guys have a conversation and I'll, I'll do this all the time, but I know you can use that exact same example is, okay, cool. I'm in a conversation with you about maybe your next single release. And I have now soaked up knowledge from these three artists who have done releases this way. And I was always inspired by that. I think that that's a great opportunity. So now in this conversation, they might not have seen that shit. They might not have seen how Travis rolled out his song with the digital download and that helps add streams, blah, 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 blah. And this person, you could have a conversation with them. You know what I think would be good is if we did it like this. And now you're able to position yourself more than just what you came in for. That's a creative director role. That's an operational goal. Like you're coming in from a strategist of marketing now. And by you being able to volunteer that, that information that you soaked up earlier can make you an incredible asset. And I think that's why this shit goes very, very far by constantly being able to learn everything that you can possibly get your hands on. And you never know how you're going to be able to utilize that in the past. And I think what's cool, yeah, yeah. what I want to say earlier is when you talked about the Beyonce shit, you coming in and being able to like 
this be this massive opportunity. When you came in, it was literally in the assistant position of like, I needed someone to help me hit record on certain cameras. And then by you being there, I'm able to see your attentionness and your ability to ask questions. You're asking the right questions where then I felt safe to be able to allow you to do more than just whatever the job title was. Like, yo, can you now hold this camera and actually follow B around? Or could you do this and this? And the only reason I felt comfortable was because you were asking questions and then you were showing initiative to like do it on your own or with, you know, above and beyond, like whatever the task was, you would do something. I'd be like, oh, cool. Like he definitely looks confident in this or, oh, yo, you were doing this maybe a little differently. Try it this way. And when you did it and then you accomplished it that time. Okay, cool. He knows how to do that shit. Now I'm trust, I'm trusting you. And, and I think that that comes with the experience of you having literally sat there and maybe I did the shit first and you're watching it. You may be over my shoulder. You're not asking me, so then what do I do? And then, and then this hit, and then you weren't asking those questions. You were just trying to, if there was a challenge, you weren't afraid to ask the question. Yeah. And no, I, I think, think, I think that the, a lot of that came because I was, you know, you can listen to my interview. I, I think I, I've said that in that point where when I walked in, my mentality was that, okay, I've never been here, but I'm literally fully, I'm, uh, this is the type of person I am, but I'm fully confident that I'm going to learn everything I need to know to yeah. be successful. Like you don't have to teach me, like I'll learn on the fly. Right. And so before, you know, that, that one week turns into three months, turns into a six months of tour. And by the end I had established myself as what I needed to be. And that was because I was able to be like, okay, cool. You, you may not know what you need to know, but you can learn it and you can learn it fast. If you're willing to just be observant and analytical and understand like, yeah, for example, like if I don't know how to do something, but I'm looking at you, or I'm looking at someone else on set and I'm like, okay, that's how they did it. And, I'm, and I, in my head, I'm internalizing like that. I'm like, okay, so next time I need to talk to someone about this, I'm going to say it like this. Cause I saw him say it like that. Right. You know what I mean? Or, uh, if I'm ever going to direct something, I saw this director talk to his DP like this and that's how he communicated what image he needed. He needed. So, and I've internalized that. Okay. So that's a good way to approach it. And that goes into my little mental notebook. And even if you need to write that type of stuff down, I think that's a viable way to go about it. You know, I think, you know, with someone hitting you up and they're asking, can I pick your brain? I don't know how many times I've gotten these fucking messages. I'm sure you got a lot too. Can I pick your brain? Can I buy you coffee? Can I take you out for dinner? Whatever the fuck it would be to, just to, you You know, I, I need to use you as a source because I have so many questions, so many unanswered questions. And I think that necessarily it's not the best way to go about it because I don't have all day. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how many times we've had to start doing, and that's why we created this new segment at the end of the show, which I don't think we announced at the beginning. So if you're not, if you're now listening to this and you're wondering what the fuck I'm talking about, we're going to start doing question of the week where we allow people to submit their questions and pick our brain, which I think will be a more thoughtful way to get a good response out of us versus just a quick DM because I can't, I can't, I don't have time to meet with everyone for coffee. And I had to make a conscious choice to like, stop. Remember I kept coming in and you'd be like, bro, you got to quit saying yes to all these people that are asking you to like hang out because you're getting pulled over here for a 30 minute coffee, but it turns into like two hours because you just like to talk to people. Yep. And like, I'm down. I love that, those moments, but it is, our time is very like precious right now. And so for me to have done that is challenging. So I stopped saying yes. And I think that if you have to ask those questions, you might not always get the response you want. And therefore I think that kind of, A, it could leave you feeling empty handed. You know what I mean? Like, I think that you may feel like that's the only way you'll get the answers. But if I have the answers, how did I get the answers? You know yeah, I, mean? I think that the, the point of it is like, there's ways to learn. You can be a student in the game without literally asking someone a question, getting them an answer. I think the biggest, the biggest point I want to make about the pick your brain thing is I think it's the wrong way to go about it because you're having the person you're asking, who's probably you're, they're the, the, the point of value for you, right? right? Like they are the ones giving you the answer. You are seeking their knowledge. And then you're asking them to pick their brain, right? And they're going to have to spend 
the most energy of the, of the two of you to be able to give you the value. You know what I'm saying? And you're not giving anything in return. That's why we talked about plenty of times in the past. I think the best way to, to, to get to learn from someone or get a mentorship position with someone or whatever it is, is to offer value to that person. And then you will receive the things you're looking for through that process, as opposed to, I, hey, can I pick your brain? If you ask me or Ben and, you know, Ben mostly, if you ask Ben to pick his brain, hey, can I sit down with you and pick your brain? That means he has to go out of his way to not only make time, you're going to ask him a question. You're gonna, he's going to provide you all the value and he's going to get nothing in return. And, that, and when he has to tack that up with everything else he has to do is like, I don't have time for that. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, it becomes like the bottom of the total. But goal. I do think that like, if you're thinking about how to ask someone a question about, you know, let's say someone's looking at one of your videos, right? And they want to know how you did a certain edit trick or something. And they could just be like, man, I'd love to pick your brain about this. I honestly think a be the better way to go about it in some way that I would like to respond to messages is if someone's thoughtful, at least about the question, like shows that they actually spent time like analyzing the way you edited something mm -hmm. or the way you shot this photo and being thoughtful about what they point out about your work and offering like a point of, of value of like, oh, I really love how you did this and showing that they understand something deeper than just tell me what camera you used or like, tell, oh, did you use a Ronin for this or whatever? Then I think people are much more willing to respond because it shows that you've done an extra level of like providing something, yeah. you know? But besides that, I think you can learn from those types of people without having them tell you it. Like you can be observing Ben's work, let's say, and be noticing like, man, I really like how he, he, he does this type of movement a lot. And, or I really like how he did this. Let me try that. And you never have to ask Ben a thing. You know what I mean? I think that type of mentality is how you can be a student in the game without, man, I don't have anyone that's going to teach me anything. You right. know what I mean? I think there's so many, I think the mo the biggest value in being a student in the game, and this is what I've been trying to show with my perspective of it is like, taking lessons that aren't just handed to you. Like, like, you know, on the podcast, we record an amazing podcast interviews every other week. And you may not think you can learn from Slime Sunday, the designer, or Sarah, the instrumentalist, the music producer, because you're a photographer. You know what I'm saying? But there are lessons there to be learned and they're there for the taking, but no one's feeding them to you. So you're not taking them. You and know? we preach that all day long. Anytime someone reaches out and they're like, yo, I just wanted to ask you a few questions. Like, if you don't mind, I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, I want to tell you yes. But I, I'm telling you, I, I really, truly believe if you haven't listened to any of these episodes, the questions, the answers to your questions are in these episodes, right? Because we cover some shit on the show. We have days worth of audio that you can just pound through and, and absorb. But I, I promise you the answers are there. Plus, there's answers to questions you don't even know that you have. I've said that a million times. That's the beauty of things like this podcast. I think that's probably the most frustrating part when people ask you that question. Because when they ask you a question that you know that you've already covered, but man, I already... Not only have I answered your question, I did it in a, a HD video that we've released on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Right. We bought all the gear to be able to fucking answer the question. And we and also just quality. posted it. We just shared it. I literally just posted about it last week. But like, hat, if you did a little bit of the due diligence to do the research to learn about that, not only are you going to find the answers to those questions, you're going to find out a ton of more information. Like, it's easy to get turned on to someone, right? Someone's work. So say uh, I got really turned on to Gimbal God. Right, we just had him on the show. I really love the videos that he shoots on snowboarding, and I, I really want to know how the fuck he did it. I could ask him. I could DM him, be like, "How did you shoot these videos?" Right, I want to pick your brain, or how do you do this? Or you could start doing some small research, and you're gonna a probably find five uh, written interviews that he's done on blogs where he tells you that he uses a GoPro and the GoPro gimbal. Or you could find our podcast where we've probably clipped that shit out, put it on YouTube, and we say, "This is how he fucking does that thing." I do this. I do this. I do this. That's how I do it. And so now he went out found a way to share that information, put it out in a public way, 
it's there for you to grab. And I, I guarantee you, anyone that you look up to, and if, if there's a specific thing that they do that you like, they've probably been asked the question already and have answered it in some form or fashion, and it exists on the internet. And the, the best tool we have is the internet. And I always say that you have the advantage of being able to DM someone and ask them some shit, right? And people will tell me all the time, yo, we've been talking on Instagram and we've had, we, we know each other through Instagram. And I'm like, duh, really? Well, what's your Instagram? And I could go and I could find that person's Instagram and I could look in our messages and I could scroll for days. I've probably talked to this motherfucker, you know, more than my aunts and uncles <laughs> since Christmas or some shit. And I don't remember because I just answer. I just happen to answer people's shit, but I don't have the connection there. And I don't feel like I really gave you my all and my responses all the time to, to truly believe that you got the best information there. And you may feel connected somehow, right? And you may feel like there's an open source of communication that allows you to ask questions, but it becomes frustrating, especially from the person who's receiving those questions when it's time that I have to waste basically responding about something that could easily be found. And I, I don't, I'm not afraid to send you a, have you ever seen the, let me Google that for you? No. yeah. <laughs> is, you that go, a, is that a gift? It's like a, no, it's a, it's like a website called let me Google oh. that for you. And you type the fucking question that they want to ask and it will literally drag the mouse cursor over and type in the question and then hit search. And that answer is right there in Google. Damn, that's hilarious. And anytime someone asks me some shit that could be Googled, like some kid hit me the other day and was like, bro, what's a, you know, what's that name of the person that picks the music for TV shows? And I'm like, I'm like, it's a music supervisor. But, and I could say that it takes two, it's two words, music supervisor. I, I literally was going to respond to him with that because, or I, I literally typed in Google the exact question that he asked me and it literally popped up and just said music supervisor where he had to wait three, three fucking days for me to respond to my Facebook messages because I don't check that shit ever. And I got hopped on I'm like, and then it was, his response was like, thanks bro, awesome. I'm like, fuck, like, you waited three days when you have an Alexa probably in your living room that you could have asked the same question to or Google on your phone. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, and I think we're not even trying to harp on people who do that because I think it's, it's awesome that you can have the, the access to someone to ask them a question. I think it's number one, being thoughtful about how you ask something to get a response. And number two, it's when we're talking about being a student in the game, it's understanding the, the, the resources and the levels that you can go to take lessons from things that aren't handed to you or, or take experience. Like one of the biggest things about being a student in the game, I think is, for me, like, I feel like my experience and my knowledge is much bigger than the actual legit experience I have and what I've done because of all the learning that I've done. You right, get what I'm saying? Right. So like, if you handed me an opportunity to do something that I've never done before, I'm confident I could do it because of how much I've spent time trying to learn from others and trying, to, and trying to observe and, and, and take in into account of how pe other people do shit. You know what I mean? I think even to the level of like watching music videos or, or films, like if anyone can relate to this, like as a filmmaker, or a person that makes videos, when I'm watching music videos or TV shows, I'm literally, not only am I watching it, but I'm sitting there thinking about, okay, that was a really dope shot. I, I loved how they made that, that shot come together. Or, oh, this, I understand why they made this edit choice. Or this is, this is how they put this together. In music videos, I'm, I might pause and go frame by frame to try to figure out how they made two shots work together in a transition because I'm like, man, that was tight. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm, I'm going deeper because I'm like, who directed that? I want to know. And I'll search it. You know what I mean? I'll figure out who's the director and I'll go on their director's page or go see their other work. And I, and I become a, a fan of that person maybe. And I start trying to look into their work or how, who produced that? What's the production company that did that? And, oh, this is the same production company that did this other video. Those you know are healthy saying? rabbit holes to go down. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of unhealthy rabbit holes, which would be like, you know, watching fucking Dr. Pimple Popper <laughs> videos or whatever. But like when you can get caught up in something like that, where you start really absorbing, like I, I mean, I, I'm the same way and I'm curious, like 
Do you think people listening assume that this is obvious? Like what we're talking about is obvious. I I think I people think so. I think people think that this is what they do, but I don't think people like. I, don't, I think I think people will relate, but I don't think it's obvious necessarily. I think you know you you may like if we're just talking about a mentality, right? Like if if you're listening to this and you're thinking about, man, they're talking about student the game. Like this is kind of cool. Yeah, you're right. I do need to be a student the game. Like like it's about taking a learning like taking an active learning role in your career every day past what you think it is. You know what I'm saying? Like. If, even, even for example, like, uh, it, it can be, it can be as simple as, uh, Mike Prince. You remember you were talking about how Mike, uh, you know, he got some downtime and he just took a whole coloring course. He's a DP and director and he edits, but he took a whole coloring course and he's in Da Vinci learning how to, how to color stuff. And that's, just, that's being a student in the game. Being yeah. a student in the game is, you know, taking learn, ownership and learning from, from people indirectly or directly, like we were talking about. There's so many different ways, but it may seem obvious, but if anything, if someone, if you're listening, it's just like, Hey, we're motivating you to go out and, and learn more. You, you know what I'm saying? Like no matter what experience you have, there's more learning to, to be done. I think a lot of people may think that, you know, like I could sit here and be like, yeah, dude, look what I've done. Look who I've worked with. I know what I'm talking about. I'm like, no, I don't. You know what I mean? Like I, there's so much for me to learn. Yeah. And it's like, I need to, like, that's an active role you need to take every day. You know? Right. I don't, yeah, we just would, don't want anyone to get complacent. I think if you if you can become really relaxed in where you are and feel like you've got all the way to where you need to be and you're really confident in that shit, that's fucking false. The film school I wanted to go wanted $114,000, I think, for a two-year program. And my thought process that uh, someone pointed out to me was, you're going to go there and you're going to have access to all this really cool film gear. You're going to have access to the top-of-the-line shit. And in three years, that shit's going to be outdated. And now everything you learned will have been upgraded and will have become different. And you're going to have to continue to learn that shit. And that's the same with everything that we do. Everything's always changing. The way the rollouts that you were talking about earlier are going to change. Maybe that people will start doing that and it becomes templated. So we need to reinvent the wheel. Concerts are going to be shot differently. We're going to need to figure out how to shoot commercials differently. Like ads are went to vertical before it was 69. Now we're shooting fucking vertical videos. Like everything's always changing. So we're always going to progressively learn. And I think that, that's our goal is that we don't want you to sit in that pocket of feeling comfortable and we don't want you to be afraid to ask questions. There's a way to ask those questions properly and there's a way to do the research before you ask those questions that we think we highly suggest because it can go a long way and it can leave an imprint. Like I think that people will be impressed if you ask a question that's a curveball to what they're normally getting asked because so many people just want to get that fucking that answer quick reaction. answer, yeah. And that shit's unhealthy. And, and you know, just to end it, I think it's just like, yo, the answer's are not going to be handed to you. You know right. what I mean? Like if you want to be somebody, like if you want to be this big thing and you're not there yet, that the answers in the path are not going to be handed to you. You have to go find the information and find the, 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 lear- the learning opportunities and the skills that are going to get you to that point. You know what I'm saying? And there you can, there, those opportunities and those learning lessons are available in more places than you think. And will take more effort than you think to find them. But if you do that, you can learn and be more experienced in your experience is what I was trying to like, what I was saying, like, I think you, you know, there's so many things that you want to do. You would love to direct a movie one day, but you've never directed a movie before. How do you learn how to direct a movie? You either get yourself in the, in the, in the positions to be able to learn from people who've made movies. You need to watch documentaries, read books, YouTube videos, courses on how to make movies, or you need to, you know what I'm saying? Go just do it and learn from that process. Shoot and that's, that's, films. that's the speed of student in the game yeah. is literally make a film. So it's like, those that's basically the whole point of this you know no i love that all right yo we definitely want to get to this new segment so we're excited about this uh just because 
you know, like I said, we're getting a lot of messages from people all the time and we're thankful to be in positions that people feel like we have the answers. <laughs> uh, but we wanted to create uh, this new segment called Community Questions of the Week. So do you have a creative question that you'd like to pick our brains on? You know, I think that this is that opportunity for us to do it. I think you know, with time, like we can literally dive into it. And I think us, we'll probably have some good conversations from these questions. Not only with time, but also like your question is a question that someone else may have and us being able to do it in this form where we can kind of jam on it, get like other people get value from then, then just you. So it's like kind of a community way to like, just tap into what people have questions on. And sometimes like you've said before, you say it all the time, like there's questions you don't know you have. And someone asking it makes you think about something differently. And so yeah. hopefully that that's what we can provide so here. Shout out to everyone that did email us questions already. We, we texted out to our text community and um, and let people start submitting some some stuff. So if you have a question you would like to share uh, and have us you know play it on the podcast, send us a voice note or a video to bwncsubmit at gmail.com. We'll make sure that's in the show notes below. Um, but keep it 90 seconds or less, and we'll answer a handful of questions at the end of each Morning Roast episode. So our first question, first question ever for this segment comes from uh, Gabriel Furman. Uh, so let's run that right now. Hey, my name is Gabe. I'm a video producer here in Denver, and I just wanted to first off say thank you guys for everything you do. I, uh, You guys gave me the motivation to start uh, my career in video production, and I've been able to live off of it. Um, quite well, so I appreciate it. Uh, but my question is, do you ever get come to a point in your um, video production uh, career where you want to focus in on one thing like cinematography or directing? And if you ever come to that point, you know, is it worth taking that leap? And what does that leap look like? Um, appreciate everything you guys do again. Thanks. I'm really interested in this question for this. And I want to, uh, I think this is something that a lot of creatives uh, have to like make the decision on. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to like, because being a creative for me, like for, if you ask me what I am, it's as a creator, it's my decision to tell you what I am, right? I categorize myself. So if I want to be a director, right? I can say I'm a director, right? I've never called myself a director. Like if you look at my page, I call myself a videographer, photographer. Why? Because I think that's what best represents me at this current stage in my career, right? Have I directed stuff? Yes. I could say I'm a director, right? But I choose not to. Other people may call themselves, I'm a digital uh, artist. Some people may call themselves, I'm a, cin- I'm a cinematographer and that's what I am. And I think when it comes to like deciding when you're going to take that leap as a director, I think that's a personal choice, right? Number one, it's like, if you want to be a director, then actively make everything you do towards getting opportunities to direct things that you can then point to and say, I'm, I'm a director. I direct the stuff. Because at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? If you're a director and you've never directed any, anything legit, then until you direct something legit, that's when the, the, the proof is in the pudding. You're backing up what you're saying. And I think that leap is not only actively going and taking those opportunities that allow you to be challenged as a director, so then you can call yourself a director and then you can land more jobs as a director you know, or, or a cinematographer. You get what I'm saying? Like if you want to be a cinematographer, then you need to be taking on and seeking opportunities that allow you, allow you to act in that capacity so then you can have something to point to when you say, I am a cinematographer. You know what I'm saying? I also think it's funny because no matter what you, it's about your messaging, right? Like how do you want people to know you exactly. as? And, and like you said, you're categorizing yourself, videographer, photographer. That's what you want people to know you as. But you may have done the illest edit, therefore someone may recommend you as an editor. So you also have the problem of people categorizing you. Like when I moved here, I was categorized as the drone guy. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yo, Ben flies drones, it's sick. 
what they don't realize is that I also edit those drone clips and I make them interesting beyond just like sharing. I'm not just giving you raw drone footage. I may have done like an ill speed ramp or there was a music transition that happened there or whatever it was that made it interesting. Therefore I also can edit, you know what I mean? And slowly people would be, Oh dope. He can edit. Oh dope. He can shoot videos with different cameras, not just a drone. And that goes on. And, and so there's this interesting cycle of like, you want to just be known as one thing, but there's a problem of how people will remember you as, and they may be impressed by different things, so they suggest you. And then it's up to you of how you explain to that person that's reaching out to you beyond however they found you. Right. You may get hit up by a client and say, hey, I heard you're really good at drone stuff. Uh, and I'm, you know, people still hit me with that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, kind of. I don't really do that. I direct videos now. I direct, I direct types of content that are bigger than just me flying drones for your thing. So you were recommending, recommended to me. Right, and here are some examples of me doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's so interesting. I, I love it because, you know what I'm saying? You get hired for a job and you're an accountant. You're a tax accountant. Right. Someone asked me, what'd you do? You're a tax accountant. Right. How do you become a tax accountant? There's ways to be doing, to do that. With creative, it is free flowing. And I think uh, it's, it really is about like, what are you doing? What do you, what's your actual experience to be able to say what you do? Because you can just start making videos and say you're a director and you can introduce yourself as such. And saying so is actually, I think, beneficial in a lot of cases because you're kind of like law of attraction in a sense. Like I think uh, for me, example, like if I wanted to make the leap to directing music videos, right? I would have to start directing music videos to, to be say, able to call myself yeah. a direct music video director, right? But if I don't say I'm a director or someone that approaches me, then they might view me as less than what I am. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because then I'm, I'm, I'm putting a box on myself. I'm saying I only do, I'm only a, a, a content guy, right, you know, right. running gun. And I, I, I don't do bigger budget stuff where I'm a director and I'm hiring a crew. Well, you know I think I mean? that the, the, the part of that that needs to be taken into consideration is that you have to be that, right? What you are. Yeah, your actions are what, what you are. Yeah, so then go out, you go out and you demonstrate that you can, in fact, direct a music video. So you do go out and you do shoot a music video. It may not be with an artist that anyone fucking knows. It may be mediocre, but you do one, then you do two, then you do five, then you do 10, and then all of a sudden you start to become pretty good at it, and then people start realizing that that's what yeah, you are. Yeah, and you have a whole portfolio of work that demonstrates that you're that. I yeah. think that, that's what it is. If you want to make the leap to be a director or cinematographer, then... I think first you got to act as such. That's what you want to be. Then walk and talk like it and land yourself an opportunity to do so right. and then keep doing it. And so then you're, you'll have work to back up that you are that. Yo, you shout know? out to Gabe. I'm going to call you Gabe, but your name's Gabriel. But shout out to you for, for asking the first question on the segment. We appreciate it. It was a great question. Um, let's move on to our second question, which comes from Reese Setter. Hey, man. I love the show. Been a fan of it for a while. Uh, I just wanted to ask a question. I'm a 20-year-old photographer-videographer that lives about an hour outside of Vancouver. I'm currently working a full-time job in the automotive video industry uh, in a city nearby to mine. Uh, I was originally working lots in the music video industry and doing a lot of work with that, but since the pandemic, that's all kind of shut down. I'm currently deciding if I want to move to the city where I'm working full-time and focus all my energy there and building my life there as opposed to or move closer to Vancouver or a quote-unquote big city and trying to pursue all the opportunities that were are around there. Uh, I know music industry is a bit rocky right now. I'm just struggling to where to put my energy and where my effort because it's a big commitment to move out to a, the big city and it kind of like gets in the way of me working my current job. Thanks, guys. Yo, Reese, thanks for the question. That was great. Uh, uh, we did talk about this on a Morning Roast episode before. What was the episode called? Uh, check out, Do You Need to Move to LA to Make It as a Creator? It's one of our recent episodes. We dive into this for, we're definitely gonna answer your questions here today, but we, we if you wanna learn, wanna really hear us talk about this for 30, 45 minutes, definitely go check that out. It's a big commitment to, you know, 
I mean, the whole point, the whole thing that's scary about freelance is it's fucking freelance. Like you have no one that's protecting you. You have no insurance policy that's paid for by someone else. You have no 401k. There's all these variables. You never know when the next check's going to come in. So to leave your full-time job and go to a city that you're, you know, not from or live in is terrifying, right? I think that you need to set up in a short answer, you know, I would say create your plan. What is your plan? What's your backup plan? How are you going to be able to survive when you do make the commitment to move? How are you going to propel yourself? And what are the connections that you do have? Do you feel confident enough in those connections to be able to say, I'm moving to the city and I'm going to go fucking crush it? Right. Like who are you hitting up when you're getting there? I think if you're wanting to stay, you can stay and start trying to create opportunities for yourself in Vancouver to develop some relationships. And once you get a a notion of like, okay, I have a couple clients I've worked with in Vancouver, then you can create a plan of like, okay, I know it can work there. I have a couple people I'm going to hit up when I get there. And then you can create an exit plan of how do I save up money? uh, You know, create a a backup plan for myself to get to move to Vancouver if that's what you want to do. So when you get there, you have a cushion and then you have people to hit up. Yeah. The beauty is it sounds like you're an hour away, right? So you're blessed with the opportunity of being able to live somewhere I assume is much more affordable than it is to live in the city. And an hour is not far at all. No like way. an hour, you hop in a car and you're, you're wherever you need to be in an hour. Dave used to do that shit all the time in Texas. I used to do that shit in Iowa. I would fly places to do shit. I always said my biggest regret was that I didn't go to Chicago and Minneapolis more often while living in Iowa. And it was a three hour drive and a five hour drive to get to Chicago. Why the fuck was I in the city more often? Like think about how many more people are in that city. Like I could have made the connections. I could have slept on the floors or the couches of people's cribs. You can bring your own air mattress because you're driving yourself, sleep in your fucking car. Like do whatever it takes to be able, be able to get to those spots and offer your services. Maybe you don't need to, you know, you could start by going there and trying to work with people versus like build your own clientele and yeah, do your yeah. own individual no, sure. jobs. Like go, go offer a, a second camera operator position or uh, an editor position or, or just to help out on set with people who are already established in that area. Go build those friendships. So when you start going and someone says, yo, I need you for this job next week. Can you come through? Yeah, of course I'll be there. Now you got to check. You can drive that same morning to go work with someone in the same day. Hours not far. I think like, like, he, like he was saying, and if you live an hour away, like consider like basically broaden your horizons. You live in that city, but don't make that city your cap when you're an hour away from Vancouver. Start building opportunities for yourself, however they may be in Vancouver. And then you're going to be more comfortable with the idea of, can I leave my job and move? Right. Because just quitting your job and moving to Vancouver, unless you build up a solid ass savings where you can kind of get a place and say, I got three months to figure it out right now. Yep. And, and you have that hustle to figure out, which definitely could be a possibility, Fact. but you'll definitely be more comfortable if you're like, okay, cool. I already kind of know what, what the lay of the land. I know a couple people here. I have some creative friends I could work with. And I also have some clients I've worked with. Then that, that move will be easy, but definitely don't confine yourself. You live an hour away. Consider that just a long commute. There's people who commute an hour from New Jersey to New York every single morning. For work. For work. So you can do the same. I think that, that that's how you should think. I love that. Yeah, just build your list, build your goal list, decide what it is that you're going to need that's going to make you feel safe and start acting on it now. It doesn't need to happen overnight. You can make this thing be a six-month process, a year-long process. We are in a pandemic, so it's fucking weird. Um, but, you know, pr- proceed with caution. But I think that you're in a good position to be only an hour away. So that's dope. Um, all right, third question comes from Anna D. I don't even want to try this. I'm going to botch her name, so I'm just Anna D. What's uh, up, Anna? She's a, a solid BWC member. She's, you know, with the shits and, and, and provided a good question. So let's run that right now. 
There's a company in my town that I've reached out to multiple times. I did so more recently. The director got back to me and said there's absolutely no full-time editing work at the moment. She then messaged me the day after and basically asked to edit a piece together which they'd filmed just to test out my creative skills. This was after me sending a recent commercial campaign that I'd edited together which I was really proud of. I recently have been asked by multiple people uh, to do free stuff for them, which I have taken it upon myself to do so because I feel like it is a good mindset to have because it can lead to amazing things. But it's getting to the point of me feeling burnt out. And I just felt at this point when she asked me to do this free edit, I had to put my foot down and basically state my value. I respectfully said, unfortunately, I don't have the time right now and to let me know when the next paid opportunity comes up. I didn't hear anything back from her. Then two days later, the company released a job opportunity for full-time editor. I just really want to know now if there's something I'm doing wrong, if there's something I can improve in my work. All I want to do is to get into a studio environment, learn from the best. I want to be part of a team. I want to be having steady income. I would love your feedback and know how I can achieve this goal of getting into a studio. Thank you so much for listening to me. Anna, thank you for uh, thank you for the question. I think uh, I feel your pain. I think that there is um, something fucked up in this industry where we all have to. We're all given that you know that short leash where it's like you're not really allowed to be what you want to be and be treated that fair. Whereas if you go to Target or wherever you shop at and you try to go buy some milk or you try to buy and barter with them and say I'm going to give you fifty cents, you're going to give me this milk for free for the next five weeks uh, because because I deserve it and you don't deserve to make money off it. Like you wouldn't ever get away with that shit. It would be theft. But for some reason, this creative field, we're all in this weird gap where you have to do, you're almost, almost all the time have to like fight for your, your right to get paid. Right. You have to shoot and show people your opportunity. And I've been there. Dave's been there. Um, and it sucks, but I do think that there there is an advantage to playing that and writing that out as long as you can. I don't think I made money for the better part of like a year and a half after, you know, living in LA, I made dog shit pay. I had some of the best opportunities come my way. I I definitely proved myself, but I was able to take those opportunities and turn that into paying jobs that, you know, continue to come for years and years after that. I think that my lesson from your story uh, that I could give to you is um, sometimes I, I, I think putting your foot down is strong. And maybe that was the one that got away. Fuck it. Fuck that job. Fuck that person for not hiring you. It is what it is. Their loss. Um, and it, it is good to say, you know, fuck it. I need to get paid for this. But I do think that there could be an advantage to biting that bullet a little longer and having taken the job or offering a position that they may not even have. Say, can I intern for you guys? I'd be happy to intern for you for 10 hours a week and I'll edit all day, every day that I can get in there if you're willing to with the idea that maybe you'll consider me for a full-time position in the future. The, the advantage there is that they may never have an intention of hiring you. You are saying the words, I will give you free editing uh, for X amount of time. That's going to give them like, oh shit, sweet. We don't have to pay for an editor. They can come in and knock this out. And in return, you're in the position now to show them what you do with their work and make them understand why you're valuable. And I think that's always the best thing that you can ever do as a creator, whether we like it or not. It's just kind of the way the environment's built. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I commend you for putting your foot down. I think you, you, you do have to, and I understand definitely that, um, editing a, a, a couple, enough things for free kind of puts you to a point. I think the, the problem is, and it takes, you know, kind of like, uh, 
analyzing the situation as a creator, but you have to judge is that the value of you doing something for free? Like, will that be beneficial to you in the future? Maybe this, the other three that you did weren't going to be beneficial, but this one was an opportunity for you to kind of really put your foot forward and say, look what, look at what I can do for you guys. And maybe that would have turned into something. And I think it's up to you to judge those types of situations. Like, I think it is hard. And sometimes you will just edit something and nothing comes from it. And we've talked about there's still value there. There's experience there. And I understand the frustration of not getting paid. But I think in that case, necessarily, if this is a place you want to work and you reach out to them for a job, they say they have nothing, but they offer you one opportunity and you can bite that bullet and edit that piece and put literally everything you have into that piece. And you, and you know, you, you're optimistic in a sense of, if I can just put everything I have to this and put my best foot, best foot forward, maybe I'll oppress them enough that they will offer me the job. Right. Cause it looks like later they did present an opportunity and I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, hang too much on that at all. Just move on. Like I said, but I think when it comes to working for free and how to get opportunities, it is oftentimes the best way, but I don't think if someone is offering you, if, if it's something where you're going to do something and then you're going to be able to leverage that free to get something paid, yep. it's up to you to make that ladder happen, right? Like if you're going to do something for free, then you cannot, then the second one can't be for free. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to say, I did this for you. I proven my value. Now you have to make that a conversation of like, I'm establishing my rate at this point. And if they say no, they say no. You know what I'm saying? And you yeah. can take that, that video you made as, as examples for other things. But I think it's when you're judging that opportunity is, will I, if I edit this piece for free or whatever it is, is there a further opportunities down the road that are going to come from this? And like the more experience you have with that, you can kind of judge that. And if not, then no, it's not free. And if, and you know, some people say yes, say no, but you got to, you got to stick up for yourself. Well, and me. sometimes, I mean, you can use that to, for examples, like Dave said, into other jobs with different clients that may not know who that client is or what have any ties to them. You could use that to be a positioning point, just like a spec commercial and so on. So like utilize that as your real opportunity. It's going to build your strengths as a creator and, and hopefully secure a bag one way or another. But um, I've done tons of shit for free and it was for things that I normally wouldn't do. And some of those things I will never re reference and I would never send anyone and they'll probably never give me a job, but it gave me experience. And I think that that's like the best part about and it. And also one, one little tip, I think if you did, if you were to edit that piece, right, then literally once you take that piece, you turn around and you say, let's say it's a, a production company. I, let's, I don't know, Pretty Bird or something. I just, I just saw them recently. But you, you email another company, you say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a commercial and film director, whatever. Um, I, this is what I based in. This is my experience. Here is, uh, if you want to get a piece, uh, you know, a, a glimpse of my work, here's a commercial I just edited for X studio. You know what I mean? And now you've just positioned yourself as I edit, I edited for this studio, which looks like a reputable, um, place. You can even put their website link. And that's not a lie because you did edit that piece for right. that, for that. No one has, no one's no financial disclosure of like, Oh, she just edited that for free. No, if you edited that piece, that now is a, a barking point that you can go and take that leverage and take your extra initiative to go make that work for you. You know, not, it's not always going to work for you, but you can make it work for you. Love that. You know? Um, yo, thank you guys for all submitting these fucking great questions. Uh, I'm stoked. I think this is going to be a cool segment. So make sure if you have any questions, we love to keep this going. Uh, BWNC submit at gmail.com send it in 90 seconds or less audio or video it's cool it's cool seeing the video it's cool seeing what you guys look like uh, if you want to send an audio only we ain't tripping um, so send those in next week we have Steve Sweatpants the interview will drop on Monday we're excited to drop that interview dude's a fucking beast photographer and has some good conversation with me um, so look forward to that and other than that uh, keep creating have a good week right yes sir we'll see you in a few days peace, peace.